Hey everyone, Josh and Ryan here, and welcome back to the 2% Podcast. Research shows if you put 100 random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in, week out. 2% of a day is just half an hour, so thank you for taking 2% of your day to be educated and inspired by joining us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the Two Percenters. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Two Percent Podcast. Today we're joined by Umesh Kumar. Thank you for joining us, Umesh. My pleasure. So, Mesh is a serial entrepreneur, consultant, mentor, does a whole host of things. Um, in your own words, Mesh, in a, in a minute bio, who are you and what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur through and through. Uh, I like working on new projects, trying new things, pushing the boundaries. I love hanging out with people. I'm a serial networker, I like to think. And I delve into projects in and around innovation, hospitality, and bringing people together. And that's really me in a nutshell. Perfect. And, and when I was um, sort of looking at the, the briefing notes on, for this call, I was like, wow, where do we start? You know, you've got such a deep, deep past in all these things. And one of the things that stood out to me was this goal that I think it was a goal that Ryan highlighted to me to have five startups by the age of 30, if that's right. And um, I was just wondering where, where that goal sort of came from and why you were you know, aiming for that. Yeah, I mean... It was largely a stupid and silly goal, but it was a a goal nevertheless that I wanted to kind of hit. And it came about because ever since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated by entrepreneurship, by building things, Uh, not necessarily by making money, but by trying new things, building skill sets and ultimately learning from them. And I just had an idea of, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have five startups, ideally in five different uh, sectors or areas, But regardless of whether they were successful or not, I would learn something. And by the time I turned 30, which back then when I came up with this idea, aged 18, it was a lifetime away. um, I thought by then I would be a much more well-rounded individual. I would have learned a lot and ultimately would have stood me in good stead for going forward. And that's how it came about. Okay, perfect. Um, And are you able to give us um, a very brief sort of rundown of what those five startups because you, you achieved this goal right how did you um how did that go and what were they in the end yeah so i started a, a first a business out of university with a friend of mine uh and it was called global wonders and it was essentially a travel company highlighting the secret hidden wonders of each city or town in the world and uh, it sort of morphed into a concierge company and a, and a web portal, but it didn't really go anywhere. So that was the kind of the first one. Uh, the second one was a, a property company so called Pi Labs. It's a, a um, property innovation labs, a, a real estate tech uh, accelerator uh, that is still going today, but I helped uh, launch it and bring it to life, uh, investing in cool property tech companies from around the world. And then uh, the third one was Pace Ventures uh, with my good friend, Mark, one of my best friends. Um, And I lived with him at the time. That was an innovation consultancy, uh, essentially connecting brands and big corporates and and startups and playing matchmaker. And then from that, we launched Edvent, a a kind of an, an education tech company really focused on building soft skills in young people, predominantly in schools and, and university. 
Uh, and then finally, my most recent company that I founded is uh, Twist Club, which is a new online experience-led uh, members club and uh, food and drink and hospitality brand. And that's where I am today. Okay, great. And, and you know, you, you spoke about having that uh, vision of learning a lot by the end of that 30 years. Do you see that development in yourself by now when you, from when you started that first startup to start in the Twist Club now? Are you a lot more clued up in where to start and what, what to do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the first thing that springs to mind is I know how to set up a business very quickly. I know all the little nuances of what I need to do. And I, I focus on the much bigger picture rather than the little nitty gritty because it's just second nature to me. I think the other thing that I've learned is it's just about starting. It's about doing. If anything, the, my meta skill that I've learned is how to start businesses quicker, faster, cheaper, and easier. Um, and so that's been a really, really good helping point with launching uh, Twist. I think the, the thing that surprised me the most going through that journey of, of the five is how different they've been. Uh, everything from property and real estate investing to education and working with young people to working with big corporates and doing consultancy to setting up a, an online website uh, and having a travel company. They're all different sectors. And I think that really speaks to me as an individual. I'm very much magpie in nature. I like lots of different things. A jack of all trades, if you like. Yeah. So I, I suppose you, you're a favor for the, the, the generalist sort, sort of skill set because I often hear this thing of, you know, you should go into a business or you should start a business where you're the, the expert and, the, you know, it's it, surrounded with your skill set. But I guess it's almost impossible for you to start five startups in, in different areas where you have a skill set in all of them. Yeah, it reminds me of a famous uh, quote from there's a, a philosopher and author called Isaac um, Asimov, I think it is. And he's written like 10,000 books, 20,000 books in his lifetime. And someone interviewed him and said, um, uh, asked him about one particular book that he read. He said, I have no clue what, what I said. And, and they asked, why is that? And he said, well, I've written like 10,000 books. I don't know everything <laughs> I've written. He said, but I thought you were an expert. And he said, yes, I'm an expert in being an expert. <laughs> so for me, uh, I, I guess the way I look at it is I'm, I've become a, an expert in trying new things, learning and, and living without fear in, in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've, I've learned anything uniquely um, radical for, for me to be an expert in one particular field. If anything, I'm an expert in setting up businesses and I'm an expert in trying new things. That's probably my meta skill. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I think something to, to pick up on on that generalist argument is that you often hear that kind of being a jack of all trades and a master of none is um not i don't want to say frowned upon but something that people look to as something that isn't the one and to be successful in the kind of 21st century digital age you need to have a niche you need to have a specialism but i know you're quite kind of bullish on on that kind of support for being a generalist as a kind of well-rounded skill set and is that something that you have had since 18 kind of looking at that five startups by 30 thinking i do want to be well-rounded or, or something that has developed over the, over the time of setting those businesses up? Yeah, I, th I think it started from when I was a kid. I mean, even when I was looking at my A-levels that I wanted to choose, um, I, I, I picked geography, I picked government and politics, I chose uh, economics and, 
can't even remember what the what the fourth one was but but like it was a, it was a completely broad and and it gave me opportunities to do lots of different things and i think for me that generalist nature makes you arguably more interesting and more multifaceted than being one dimensional um one of my i guess mentors that i look to is a guy called rory sutherland he's a behavioral economist and he talks about how you know unless you're tiger woods and you're you know drawing angles of you know putts and angles of drives age four you know that's unnatural that's not normal uh you know unless you're usain bolt and you've always been destined for greatness and you're in the top you know 0.1 percent of runners then fair enough but for the majority of us i think we have a multitude of different opportunities and and things that pull us and excite us and that's no bad thing so for me i'm like well can i be in the top five ten percent of three or four different things and does that make me a more well-rounded person i think so uh so that's the kind of path that i've gone down and partly because i don't think there's one topic in life that i'm so passionate about that i only want to do that so partly that's maybe my nature of wanting to do lots of things i i don't want to commit to one thing yeah, no, super interesting. I think it, it reminds me of something I heard, I can't remember who, from, of this idea of kind of combining skills that are almost unique. So kind of like you say, kind of property and food or, you know, science and I don't know, something that's unrelated to science, you know what I mean? Kind of combining things or, or industries or skills to create value where there kind of wasn't that before. And so when you were starting out, thinking about travel first and then property kind of were you deliberately choosing industries to think oh i want to try this now i want to try that next or was it kind of a natural progression of just an opportunity came along or like you say you and mark were just like let's go and then pace moved into Edvent kind of thing was it quite natural or how did you select those different industries to go into yeah so i i think I would say there was a perfect journey, but it was very serendipitous. I think with the, with the property uh, accelerator, I was working at the time for a company called Techstars, a big investment accelerator. I wrote a little uh, internal document on the future of accelerators and where I think it was going. One of the mentors picked it up and said, hey, this is really interesting. Let's have a coffee or, or let's have lunch and, and tell, talk me through how I could build my own accelerator. So there was an element of serendipity through that. And then I was actually living with, um, with Mark at the time and he was a working in philanthropy and, and doing consultancy work with big charities and NGOs. And I was working with big brands on the innovation and startup space. And I turned around to him one day when we were at home and I said, you're a consultant. I'm an innovation guy. Why don't we come together and create an innovation consultancy? And then that led into pace. And then increasingly we were working with more brands. And, and one of the things that they were talking about was the future of work and the future of uh, hiring and individuals. And suddenly uh, we were talking about, well, hang on a minute, let's get into universities, let's get into schools. And then Advent essentially came out of pace as his own separate company so a lot of these things just naturally flowed into each other and, and i believe serendipity being in the right place luck uh, and hard work kind of that combination made it what it what it was really yeah no for sure i, I think I'll, I'll pick up on the innovation side now i think because it's something that a lot of people don't kind of 
know what it is. I think to, to a lot of people, innovation is perhaps newness. I mean, what, what is innovation to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think innovation is one of those nebulous words that have so many different meanings to everyone. But to me, innovation is constant change with purpose. And, uh, you know, change it can be good, change can be bad. But I think if you have a direction, if you have a purpose, if you have a goal behind it and some sort of structure, you will have really exciting and, and, and ultimately creative processes so for me innovation is constantly uh, creating new things coming up with ideas stress testing uh, new projects new uh, visions for the future and seeing if they work or not and having a freedom and expression to try them and, and just go out there and be yourself um, so for me innovation is um, is not necessarily a word it's it's a state of being it's almost uh, you either have it or you don't and that's very much the way I've come across it. And, and do you think that innovation is predominantly, that culture that you speak about, is that predominantly held by startups or can big brands or, and deal organizations that are you know, larger in size, do they often exhibit innovation? Well, yeah. I mean, you traditionally think individuals, entrepreneurs, nimble startups have all the answers and the most innovative because they can move at pace and, and, and speed and they're quite agile and they're perhaps a little bit more creative. Uh, you know, I think big brands and big corporates get a bit of a, a tough time because we say, oh, they're slow. They're not very innovative. They're not very creative. But actually, they probably have the, the resource, uh, the money, the time the breadth of people to be perhaps the most creative they can be. So I think actually, if you look at people like Samsung and if you look at Apple and Microsoft, we give them a hard time, but they have been pretty innovative and creative in some of the products that they brought to market. So I think you can be equally, uh, whether a startup or a corporate innovative, but as I said, it's a state of mind. It's a state of bringing the right people together and good things happen. Hmm. I guess it's also about like the fact that startups are new by nature is that they can explore new ideas where there's those large corporates is they'll probably be more risk averse in the sense that they they stick to what's worked for them in the past yeah there's a there's an element of bureaucracy and what's gone before you know the the legacy of a company can be both a pro in terms of history heritage um, brand recognition, but it can also be a very much a, a difficult pain point that holds them back in terms of taking risks and, and being a little bit more um, risk taking in nature and creative. Uh, so I, I think each brand approaches it differently. What I'm seeing is that a lot of brands have sub uh, companies that they either buy, invest in, or create an entirely new team that doesn't work um, at the behest of of the big CEOs and uh, and necessarily the exec boards, they have their own little mini management structure and they have a level of autonomy that allows them to create cool cool stuff. But not every brand does it, and I, I appreciate not every brand is innovative and creative, and and it's worked for them, you know, just being and doing what they do best. So every brand is different, I guess. Hmm. And when you founded that innovation consultancy, was you, in your opinion, was you sort of one of the pioneers of that innovation consultant at the time? Because I've seen a lot of the bigger corporate consulting firms take up what they call innovation consulting now. But so, for example, I, I worked at Accenture on placement and they, 
you know, they've found in this team called the, their client innovation services. And I'm sure Accenture would be proud to say that they've, you know, been innovative for a long time. But to have that actual branded innovation consultant, that seems to be quite a new and growing team. Um, we certainly weren't the first and we weren't the pioneers. I think innovation consultancy has had various guises. There were digital transformation teams, you know, 20 years ago that you could argue were, were innovation consultancies in some guys. I think what we approached was that the brand isn't necessarily, or the big corporate, it didn't hold all the cards. I think we were one of the first organizations to really champion the startup and the corporate working together and both equally bringing something to the partnership, not necessarily it being one-sided from one or the other. So for us, it was about partnership building. So if anything, I wouldn't call ourselves uh, an innovation consultancy. I would probably uh, call ourselves relationship builders um, because I think what we would do is we would take a startup and we would get them in front of a big corporate and we will help the corporate navigate uh, the world of startups and working with smaller brands and play matchmaker. So if anything, I think we were a new form of dating agency than a, than a pioneer in innovation consulting. And I think, like you said, big corporates now, you know, since Pace, a, a lot of the big, big four professional services firms have gone on a big spending spree. Um, in fact, I believe what if um, a big innovation consultancy got bought or, or combined with Accenture? Um, and we're seeing a lot of these smaller boutique firms being brought into the fold of the bigger organizations as they look to create their own innovation teams and arms. And I think that will increasingly happen as we go forward. On that partnership building then, do you, like, why do you think that that is necessary? Because, I mean, I, I haven't worked for Accenture or any of those big companies, but there's obviously a market there to kind of save those corporates time and to save them probably money as well in terms of saying, right, you'd be great for you, off you go, have that chat. Is that basically what, what you're, you're saying you kind of did more of? Um, because I, I just kind of look at, at big corporate companies, like, like you're saying, kind of the, these big brands, and think that maybe they have the resources to kind of do that for themselves. Could you just kind of speak to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it ultimately comes back to their hiring uh, within, within the company. They perhaps, some of these big brands are a little bit one-dimensional in who they hire, and they are missing out because they, you know, require certain grades or a certain type of, you know, perhaps a Russell Group University only or you know, they had to have certain degrees in order to, to, to join that company. So in a way that there's a huge talent pool of people that they're missing. And I think by partnering with startups that perhaps have a little bit more of a broader take into terms of who they have in their team, you have diff naturally have different points of view, different ways of thinking. And as a result, you know, I believe, and I think the science is saying that a more diverse team with different skill sets, with different backgrounds, you ultimately have better results. And I think that these big organizations are realizing that they're perhaps a little bit too one-dimensional and they need to broaden the scope, so to speak. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, no, that's, that's really insightful. I mean, do you think that that's mainly a, a risk thing that they have fallen into that trap almost of being too one dimensional in that like they have a formula, they know it works. And so that's how their hiring and culture have kind of moved towards. And so now they need to sort of take on more risk or do you think that they kind of 
haven't seen the opportunity and that actually it does speak for itself having a more diverse team, but it's seen as more a risky thing and it's not actually. Yeah, it's a good question or a good comment. I think, I think the challenge more than anything is that they're a victim of their own success. You know, poor HR teams, I feel for them in big companies because they get thousands upon thousands of applications and they have to sift through them. They have to have some sort of automated process. They have to have, you know, a first stage interview, some sort of, you know, in-tray exercises, assessment centers and whatever it may be. And whilst they're really, really good, they perhaps filter out a lot of the unfortunate noise, but also filter some of those hidden gems and diamonds in the rough, if you like. So I think, you know, by having a big company and a big brand, you are open to just getting too much volume and too much noise and missing people. And I also think the other thing is due to the nature of them having to be super careful with who they hire, they work with, you know, top level brands and, and there's a lot of NDAs and exclusive important different top secret projects they're working on. They have to be a little bit more rigorous with who they hire because it's really difficult to hire someone and then fire them. So uh, they are very careful and risk averse in the hiring processes, which later down the line makes them more one dimensional. So I think that's the problem. They're perhaps a victim of their own success. Whereas I as an individual can trial someone on a two week period or a three month period. And if it doesn't work out, I can say, okay, never mind. And I haven't lost too much. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, no, great. I mean, have you found that has been a, an asset for you then maybe in, in your businesses, kind of that uh, flexibility to, to hire and fire a little bit or to take on more risk because you, you're a small business yourself. Maybe it's just a small team of, of a few people. Has that been something that, that you've enjoyed kind of taking on that risk? I mean, startups are, are, are a high fail, failure rate environment. You know, it's a risky business. Is that something that you've really enjoyed and kind of maybe thrive on? Yeah, I think um, I think the phrase around, you know, fire fast and hire slow is very true. But actually, with a, with a startup, what you can do as a, as an entire company is you can scale very quickly and grow very quickly and fail very quickly. So I think the whole journey and life cycle of a startup can be very rapid and you can learn a lot in a very short amount of time, which plays to, to my nature because, you know, in the space of a 10 year period from, or just 12 year period from 18 to, to, to 30, I've managed to, to work for three companies and have five starters of my own. So I've managed to learn a lot and pack a lot in a very short amount of time, which traditionally, you know, I look at my dad and I look at my parents, they've been in one industry or one company for 20, 30 years. And that's very commonplace. For me, it's almost like a badge of honor to have done five, six different industries and six different companies and, and so forth. So uh, I think the world is changing and, and it very much suits my kind of nature and personality. Yeah, I'm really interested to just dive a bit deeper into that actually, because I think I'm similar in the sense that I really like to try different things and jump around and and I think part of that, you know, I admire about myself and I think it's contributed to, to where I've got to. But then sometimes I, I dwell on that and think, you know, what would what would happen if I really committed to one thing? Um, and I wanted to speak to you about that in terms of if you're running a startup, for example, and you've got eyes elsewhere thinking this is the next opportunity. 
can it be hard to, to really focus and put all your energy into one project? Definitely. It can be really hard. Like I really admire people who can just focus on one thing intently and drill down on that and, and just make it happen. I admire those people um, so much. That is not my, uh, I guess, my skill set and my personality trait. That being said, if you look and take a step back and if you look at my entire career, there has been some overarching themes across all of them. I'm very much a people person. I'm very much a networker. And I'm very much all about supporting and helping other people. And I think all of my businesses, regardless of industry, have allowed me to do all of those things and play to my strengths. So I think, you know, there is method to the madness and chaos, if you like. Um, and if anything, the one thing that I have really focused on and developed over that period of time is my ability to network, my ability to, to grow and, and start a business, my ability to learn quick and color business if it's not working. So if anything, that's the skill set that I've been really, really developing and I've become an expert on, if you like. Yeah. Okay. And how, how did you go about, so those, you know, those five businesses, was, was you always the, the ideas man behind those businesses or did you sort of yourself in, in places where opportunities came along to join teams? I'm, I'm very much the ideas man. I mean, my former business partners, uh, if they're listening to this, will definitely know that I did all the blue sky thinking and uh, truth be told, <laughs> very little of the execution and the work. Um, <laughs> I, I was, you know, again, it's surround yourself with people that have complementary but also different skill sets. And I was fortunate enough to work with people that had the, the ability to look at the minutiae and, and the detail and had the ability to execute on my ideas. Of course, yes, I did a lot of the work. I'm being quite flippant here, but I'm, I'm very much thinking high level visionary, um, kind of where do we see ourselves in 10 years? What is the goal of the business? I'm very much that kind of person. Mm. Yeah. I would love to be that kind of person like that is I, I come up with ideas, but how do you go about, so once you, because there's so many people with business ideas, right? So how do you go about putting those people around you and building the teams, especially if you don't have, in those early stages when you don't have the, the finances or the resources to do so, how do you start making these ideas turn into actionable projects? It's a, it's a good question. So I was quite fortunate early on in my career, I fell into the world of accelerators and incubators. So I actually surrounded myself with people far smarter than I am that had already built startups that had already built companies, raised investment. And I was constantly learning from them. I remember I was at Techstars. I was an intern for three months as a business development associate. And I was sitting in, in our office space in, um, in Clerkenwell in London. And to the right of me, I had a guy who had worked at Uber uh, and who had worked at Amazon. I had another guy who had a PhD and who had worked at Google and another guy who'd been one of the lead engineers at Eventbrite and then another individual who'd been a social media influencer and then another person who'd worked at Skype and another person who had been involved with NASA. So like, you know, surrounding yourself with people like that far smarter than you and learning from them allowed me to work out whether my idea was good, bounce ideas off with them and decide to either kill or, or move on with the idea. So I think surround yourself with good people really early on is really important. And also surround yourself with different people. Don't hang around 
yes men or women um don't just trust your family members or close friends who are always going to support you and that's wonderful you know have people and have a diverse group of individuals that will give you the honest truth and say no actually i think that idea is a bit crap or i've already seen that being implemented go have a look and then if you truly believe that idea is great then fair enough go ahead with it so i think that's really been for me the secret source is my network and constantly evolving, developing my network. And throughout all of my businesses and throughout all of my career, that's probably been the, the thing that I've been most proud of is continually developing, honing and, and reforming those relationships. Well, that's it for another episode of the Supercent podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch. And if you have a question you want answering, send it in to us using Anchor Voice Messages and you can feature in a future episode. All the links are in the description. Stay motivated, follow your dreams and as always, do it with a smile.